Welcome to Mission Point Community Church. Uh, again, if this is your first Sunday with us, so good to have you here. Um, my name is the Reverend Matthew Duell. Thank you. And uh, so good to have you here. I serve as one of the pastors. And uh, apparently, uh, I helped co-author a book uh, earlier this fall. So um, this has literally been the weirdest week of my life. I am not going to lie about that. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll share a little bit more about that in, in a moment. If you're here and you're like, I don't know what he's talking about, um, good for you. Like, you're doing life right. Um, I'd love to get in on some of that, uh, some of that bunker mentality. So, um, my goodness. Um, no, seriously, if, if we've, we've never uh, met or for those we have met, let's, let's just drop the reverend thing. Um, be super happy with you just calling me Matt or uh, Pastor Matt if you feel like you really need to be formal. Uh, but today, you have joined us for the conclusion of this series that we are calling But First, Being Busy Better. And uh, throughout this series, what we've been doing is we've been talking through just the reality of what it means to just kind of go through the chill, relaxed vibes of the summer, and we enjoy it, and it's great, and, you know, stay up late and sleep in a little bit, and, you know, just kind of you know, just enjoy that time. But then as the fall hits, it hits with just this real intense sort of rhythm and cadence to it. And for those of us uh, who have kids, we got woken up to that reality in such a huge way this week as our kids returned back to school. We got to experience some of the stuff that we have been talking about of just, you know, life getting back to school and just those conversations of like, yes, uh, you need to shower and you know, brush your teeth and like, let's just try for like a week to look like a civilized family, do the best we can. And, uh, and with that, I love this moment of the year because the, uh, the social media just blows up with those first day of school pictures, which are just so awesome. You know, our kids look absolutely perfect and, and they're just super pumped and uh, they're so excited about the, this, this moment. And yet we all know there's another side to the story, right? And uh, I found just several pictures online that I think uh, help share a little bit about that. So, uh, so to start us off, here's just a couple of before and after pictures, first day of school and then right after school. So yeah, here is this little girl just ready to take on the world. Like she's excited. She's got her, you know, new denim jacket. She's looking great. And then just getting off the school bus. It's like the wheels are falling off. So, um, and there's this... This other, uh, this other boy here, which, <laughs> oh man, I love this kid. He's like, I just need some me time, I need a nap, just back off, I just, just need you to back off. Uh, one thing I would love to see, and maybe we could, we could start this, this movement a little bit, is the, the rarely seen second day of school picture, right? Because, you know, first day of school is the best, but then the second day is maybe a little bit more reality. So like this, this picture here of, of this young man. Just, I love this. His parents did. They posted the first day and then the second day. So by second day, he's just like, I'm out. I don't even care. Like, whatevs. I'm just dragging my new backpack down the parking lot. Like, I'm over it. Oh, my goodness. And it's just, it's so good. And what, what we see is, is we see what we've been talking about is that the fall can hit in kind of a certain sort of way and different personalities take that a different way. And we've, we've talked about that. And again, we see that here in this, this back to school picture. Here is this little girl who is just loving life. She's excited. I feel like she's someone who's maybe planned and prepared and thought it out. And she's got the whole, you know, she's just ready to take on 
the year. And then there's her brother in this next picture that <laughs> is like more of us, you know, like, I don't want anything to do with the fall. Like, I'm just face playing on the floor. I'm going to clutch to the baseboard and just pray that Jesus would give us one more day of summer. Oh, my goodness. So we have been talking about this, this idea because we know that the fall is busy, and we understand that, and yet we want to be prepared for it. And just like this graphic uh, with the rocks and the glass, uh, it represents our life. Our life is like that glass vase, and it can only fit so much. There's only so much that can go in. And what we've talked about and what we know is that you have to put the big rocks in First, when it comes to life and when it comes to being intentional and planning, you've got to put those big rocks in first, or otherwise, it's just not going to work too well and things aren't going to fit. And the reason that we want to be intentional and, and just passionate about this as, as a church in this season is because we know this is something that Jesus cares about deeply. His body. His church. Now, Kondo did just an unbelievable job in the first week of the series, and you should go back and listen to it if you haven't heard it. Just painting the picture for us of what Jesus' heart is for the church. It was a massive part of his agenda and his mission and his affection. He left heaven as the son of God, and he came to the earth to be a man, to live, to give his life, to serve the very ones he created, to give up his life as a sacrifice and atonement for our sins, all in pursuit for his bride, the body, the, the, the church. And, and so what we've been saying is that, you know, for, for us, that the reality is, is that, that church is something that can very easily be something that we approach and we say, hey, I, I want it to be a part of my life. I, I have really good intentions about that. I started off the year thinking like, hey, I really, I really want to be more involved and, and I want to serve and I want to be in a small group. But as life has gone on, we didn't put that big rock in first and life is filled up. And so what we're saying is, hey, in this season, let's make sure this big rock, this thing that Jesus really, really loves and cares about, that we would treat it with the same importance and value. And for us here at Mission Point, we've identified uh, four pillars uh, of just what it means to be engaged and connected here in, in this church. And just things that we believe that as you interact and connect in these things and in these pillars, uh, we're, we're going to be excited about that because we're going to see us as a body, us as a church, taking steps forward in what it means to be growing as disciples in Jesus Christ. And the first one is serving. Yourself in service, just giving of yourself, serving the people around you, using the gifts God has given you, the passions he's poured in you, and finding a way to serve and connect here in the church. The second is generosity. Being someone who has the perspective of everything I have is God's. He gave it to me. It started with him. It's his. I'm just stewarding the blessings that he's given to me. And, and I have a heart of generosity that wants to give back, that wants to invest in his kingdom work here in the church and to be generous to the church and to, to others. The third one is community. We talked about this last week and being people that are taking steps more and more and more towards community and being people who would be willing to step out of the rows of, of a gathering like this and, and find ourselves in circles of community where we can be eyeball to eyeball with other people and a willingness and a desire to do life and to pour into each other and to care for each other and to be there for each other. And then finally, this idea of outreach. Outreach, And that's what we want to talk about today. And so let me give you just a little bit of, of a working 
definition of, of what we're talking about when we talk about outreach here at Mission Point. Uh, story in outreach. Sharing and showing light and hope in your unique spheres of influence. Sharing and showing light and hope in your unique spheres of influence. We, we believe that we all have story. We all, we all are living a story. In fact, I believe that, that life is just a collection of just tons and tons and tons of stories. And we were all born into a story. A story that was happening and, and our life came in and, and became a part of this story. And for some of us, we were born into a, just a really good story, a, a fortunate story, a story filled with blessing. Some of us, we were born into a story that's a little bit more difficult or hard and, and came with some tough circumstances. And what we know is our first few years of life our brain, as it develops, it starts to take cues of the story that's happening around us and begins to understand how the world works and how we are to respond. And then later on in our development, usually around our, our middle school years, we start to move along into this place of being at the place of seeing the story from a little bit of a different vantage point and starting to want to make some decisions on our own. Start to write the story, kind of grab the pen, so to speak, and, and author some of our story. Not so much just be about the decisions and the things that maybe we were born into, but what can my life be about? What can I make my life to be about? And, and maybe step off parents' coattails a little bit, or just some of the history and roots of your story, and begin to create a path for your own. And so we're all living a story. We're, we're all processing the story. And so the question that we want to ask today is, how are you living your story and how are you sharing it with others? Are you living your story in such a way that you are sharing it to be light and hope to the world around you? And, and so um, our Bible is, is just filled, again, with just tons and tons and tons of stories, hundreds and hundreds of pages of stories of just these amazing moments where God steps in and he intersects the lives of people, ordinary, everyday people, just like you and me. And he changes the story. He changes the perspective from being about this one person to being about the grander, bigger story, the, the story of forgiveness and redemption. And many of us in here have experienced that. You've experienced a moment in your life where Jesus came in and intersected your story and through his grace and through his forgiveness you gave your life to him and you gave up the pen of your story and you trusted him to author the next pages and chapters of your story and and, and you look to him for guidance and you look to him for steps well we find just all kinds of stories like that in the scripture. And I, and I want to read one and talk about one to you today. So if you have your Bibles, open them to uh, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. It's in the, the beginning of the New Testament. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we'll have the words on the screen. And as always, if you don't own a Bible, we'd love to, to give you one. You can get one at the connection corner on the way out. Just ask the, the kind folks back there. They'd love to, to hand you a Bible. Now let me set this up for you. Jesus and his disciples, they are in a boat. They are, are taking a ride across the lake. Um, just the previous chapter, they're in the story where they're in the boat and, and it's just the crazy storm, right? And, and the waves are rocking and it's, it's going crazy and it's, it's dark. And the disciples are freaking out like the boat's going to fall apart. They're all going to die, like prequel to the Titanic kind of moment. And they're not loving it. And Jesus is down in the, the, the bottom of the boat taking a nap, like... 
hello, Jesus, and Jesus kind of, they wake him up, and he's like, well, all right, guys, all right, he says a couple words, you know, and the whole storm just calms, just, you know, some, some classic Jesus stuff there, like, the disciples are like, okay, wow, that was crazy, and then we find them here, so they, they're in this boat, and they, they pull up on shore, and when they do, this demon-possessed man comes running out of this like cave-like tomb area just screaming at Jesus and running towards him. And I just got to think like from the disciples' perspective who have just come out of this just crazy storm moment. Like, seriously? Like, could we catch a break here? Like, what is going on? And what we find out is that this this man, he's been demon-possessed for some time. And his community, his town, has, has tried to just sort of deal with him and figure out what to do with him. And it says that they've gotten to the place where he can no longer be subdued. They've literally taken this guy out and they've chained him up. And he's breaking through chains. And so now, here come Jesus and the disciples. And this just incredible Hulk, poultry guy dude just starts running at them, screaming at them. And that's where we... Pick it up in verse 7, where the man has come and he's run and he's fallen on his knees in front of Jesus. Verse 7, he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. You see, Jesus is dealing with this demon head on and he is calling him out of this this man, and the demon knows he has met his match. He is done. He's dealing with the son of the living God, the king of kings, the name at which every knee shall bow. He has no power over Jesus. It's game over, and he's begging Jesus, Jesus, please don't torture me. Verse 9, Jesus asked him, what's your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again and again not to send him out of the area. Okay, so plot twist here. We're not dealing with a man with one demon. We're dealing with a man with an army of demons. Like, again, the disciples have just got it. Like, can we just go back to the boat? Like, the waves weren't that bad. It's fine. What is going on here? And it's just this absolutely crazy, crazy moment. I'm telling you, you guys should really read your Bibles because these stories are just unbelievable. So Jesus, he looks over. And uh, he sees this herd of, of pigs. And the demons ask, like, hey, can we cut a deal here? Like, um, if you're going to give us the boot, could we at least um, just be sent into the pigs? <laughs> Which I just, like, what? I just, I don't know if that's like a demon's nod to bacon or what is happening there. But they, they kind of, Jesus grants this deal. And it's like, okay. So they, they, he casts them out of the man. The demons possess the pigs. The pigs kind of get in this crazy demon running around fury thing, and there's 2,000 of them, and 2,000 of these demon-possessed pigs go running and jump off a cliff and fall into the sea and drown. Let's close in prayer. Like, I mean, (laughs) what else do we need to talk about? I mean, okay, so these people that are tending the pigs are like, what? And so they run into town and they, they get a whole bunch of people and they bring them back because they're like, you're not going to believe this. No, seriously, you're not going to believe this. So all these townspeople come and, and they come out and they, they see this man that they have known to be this like 
I'm assuming dangerous sort of nuisance of a guy to their community, and he's in his right mind. He's just sitting there like, life's good, he's doing well. And then they look over and they see, you know, there are 2,000 pigs like just sinking to the bottom of the sea, and it's, they, they freak out like they should, and they're kind of scared like, I don't know what's happening here, Jesus, but like, please get out of here. You're, you're freaking everybody out. And so Jesus and the disciples climb back in the boat. And this man, this, this, this formerly demon-possessed man, his life, his story has been changed for forever. And we see the response that he has with Jesus. Look in verse 18 of chapter 5. As Jesus was getting into the boat... The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. In this bizarre story, I think there's this incredible, incredible snapshot, this, this picture that I think many of us can relate to. See, Jesus shows up in, in your life, in our stories, and he changes us. He frees us. He alters the story. He casts out the demons of our lives. Maybe for you, it was an addiction or a specific struggle with sin. Maybe you were born into a difficult story and you just have tons of pain and loss and things that you have just had in your life and Jesus steps in and he fills that gap, fills that hole. Maybe you've been dragging around just a ton of heavy baggage from your past and Jesus shows up and he says, I got that. My, my burden is light. My yoke is, is, is easy. Come and follow me. I, I, I've got the, the heavy bags. Maybe you grew up like, like me in the church and you spent your whole in life in environments like this, but the moment, like we talked about a few minutes ago, where you begin to make your own decisions, you realize that left to yourself, you were a bit of a mess and you needed a savior. You needed this forgiveness. You needed this redemption of Jesus Christ. And so you gave your life to him. Whatever the case is, Jesus steps in and he does the amazing work that only he can do. He forgives and he redeems and he makes us right with God. And and like the demon-possessed man, we, we find ourselves just wanting to climb in the boat and just go with Jesus. Jesus, just please, just let me go with you. I just want to be with you. You have come in and you've redeemed me and you've changed me and you've made me right with God and I just wanna go with you. And Jesus is saying, not yet. Just, just hold on. Not yet. You see, I, I, I need you. I need you to go home. I need you to go and tell the people in your life about the mercy of God. I, I need you to go and you need to tell the story of what I have done for you, what my life has done for you. You need to go and tell the people who know you about this grace and this forgiveness. And for some of us, that may literally mean that we need to reconnect with home. We need to reconnect with some of the roots of our story. 
the people who know us the best, who have seen us at our worst, and we need to just open up the story and the conversation to say, I need to tell you about God's grace and his mercy in my life. For many of us, what it means is just, just an awakening, having our eyes open to the reality of we have a sphere of influence. We have people around us, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's at school, wherever it is, we have people who are looking in and they are observing and they're taking cues and we have an opportunity to tell them a story about grace and forgiveness in our lives. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You may be sitting here and you may think my story is just whatever. It's, it's, it's kind of not that interesting and not that dramatic. And I don't know that I have that much to say. And yet what the scriptures would say is, no, you're, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You are God's special possession. Ephesians 2.10 talks about us being the masterpiece of God. There's immense value on you and your life and your story. And what God wants from you is that you would go out and declare the praises. Another version of scripture says to proclaim the excellencies of his work. That he has pulled you out of darkness and into light. First Peter chapter 3 verse 15, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. If Christ has done a work in you, where you have turned your life over to him, you have sought him out for the forgiveness of your sin and you have trusted him with your life. You have been changed. You have been redeemed. You have the Holy Spirit in you and your life should start to look different. Now we've talked about this before. At the, the moment of giving your life to Christ, come as you are. Jesus opens the door and accepts you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. He's going to put you on a path towards change, towards new life, towards maturity, towards fruit in the gospel. And so as you take steps more and more towards Jesus and what it means to allow him to be the author of your story and to be changed, your life is going to show up and be different. And the world around you, they're going to have questions. Yeah, I, I notice you don't, really, you don't really party a lot. Like when all, everyone goes out, like you, you, don't, you don't really go. And you, you always seem to speak about your wife with just respect and... You, you really treat your kids well. That, that guy over there, he did not deserve, he had it coming to him, and yet all you did was just pour out kindness. Like, what was that about? Like, you, nobody would have faulted you for being upset about that. You're always, like, working above and beyond and, and like, going the extra mile. You, you work super hard. You, you don't cheat. What, what is that about? You see, as believers, just, just living life in our everyday context, we're going to have opportunities where we should be prepared. This is what this is about. But first, that but first we would pre-decide and be prepared that we have answer for the hope that we have in our life. 
But it says clearly, hey, be, be gentle. Be gentle. Be respectful. Make sure that your, your, your walk matches up with your talk so you can do so with a, a clear conscience. Be, be humble, but be ready to give an answer for the hope that Jesus has given you. Share your story. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You have no idea how powerful your story is to someone else. And how you coming to them is just this beautiful moment of hope and good news. And there are people in your life, in your sphere of influence, and you are the sermon. You have an opportunity to speak into someone who needs to hear about the love and hope in Jesus. But you can't do that if, if you're shy or if you withhold or you just hold back on your story. And this is, I love, 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 love this about our church and the, the people here and the people that you're surrounded by. There are so, so many people here who do this so incredibly well. And even in our, our name, Mission Point, the whole thing was designed that this would be a point in people's lives to, to, to help them to be on mission. And what you have seen, if you've been around here any amount of time, is, is people that are, are constantly going and, and telling and using their story in really powerful ways. And this room is filled with people doing that. Jake Stichter, sitting right there. You just saw him up here wailing on the bass guitar like he has done many, many weeks before. This guy is like a worship machine, and I just love him to death. And he has served his guts out in this place. He's led worship. He's helped with our tech team. He's helped with setup and teardown. And today's his last day with us because he has heard the Lord's call on his life to pursue full-time ministry. And so tomorrow, he leaves us to head to Dallas to pursue that. And he's been selling all his stuff. He quit his job, and, and he is just pointing his life, and he's allowing Jesus to take the story of his life and to write an entire new chapter. And all along the way, he has just been giving God credit in the ways that God has been moving in him. And man, we are going to miss you. But I'm proud of you and the way you're living your story. And there's tons of people like Jake. Mike and Myra Taylor, you've, you've met them. You've seen them up here before. Uh, they co-founded Three Strands Medical Mission. They've been missional community leaders for us. I, I think right now they're over helping in Kids Point. Mike serves as the chairman of our elder board. Well, they co-founded this medical mission that serves people in Africa and uh, in Haiti. And Mike leaves this Friday 
for, for another trip. He goes to Africa. He and Myra go multiple times a year, and he's going to be working with folks for the long, working on the long-term sustainability of their ministry, raising up the next generation, working on ways to um, just source and find uh, just better and cheaper medicine so that more people can receive care. And it's just unbelievably around them and to see the ways in which they allow God to use their story. Just, just really quickly, and I know I'm going to miss some people, but Abe Wright with Design Outreach. They're, they're working to alleviate global poverty with life-sustaining solutions. One of the ways they've done that, they've created this life pump uh, water filtration system that they are helping uh, developing countries to get to provide clean water. Ryan and Nina Berger, who started a soccer camp, a free soccer camp six years ago, now have this just fully going nonprofit, Agatos, that's now this uh, leadership, sharing the gospel ministry that's ministering to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids in our community through these sports camps and clinics. Donna Plummer started Beloved Not Forgotten to educate people and fight the evils of sex trafficking. She's dreaming of a day where she can open a home to be a place of healing and restoration for girls who have been victimized by the sex trade industry. Paul and Carly Morales form Not Easily Broken Ministries to help bring hope and support to families and marriages and engaged couples through counseling as well as a variety of classes and programs. My wife Erica and, and her team of ladies uh, opened up Spoonful of Imagination Art Studio working to foster creativity and build meaningful community around art classes and experience. Just giving places for moms to connect and to bring their kids. Jake and Abisha Gross. I just learned about this last night, and this is just unbelievable. Abisha launched this organization um, here in the U.S. It's called 500,000 Churches. It's something that started in India, and they have a branch in U.K. Abisha started the, the, the U.S.-based um, program, and what they are doing, they're aiming to reach the approximately 500,000 villages in India who have not heard the gospel. And so they raise funds for native Indians to go through this, this training so that they can go out into these villages. And they currently have 300 active missionaries on the field in India. 97 of them are currently being trained and getting ready to go. And they have a waiting list of people who want to go and want to be a part of this. And all they need is sponsorship and support. It's amazing. And again, I'm sure I'm missing some and I'm, I'm sorry if I am. But how inspiring is that? People who have been changed by Jesus and now they are using their gifts and their talents and they're partnering with God to contribute to the stories of others. But please don't get caught up in just starting an organization because that's not for everyone. And again, I know just a ton of people around here who are just living out their story in really powerful ways through their jobs and through their homes and the ways that they're welcoming and inviting people in and through foster care and through adoption and through a variety of different ministries around town. The question is, how are you using your story to impact the world around you? I'd like to tell you about Donnie and Heather Graham. Uh, on Monday of this week, they're a young couple. They, they attend church here. On Monday of this week, Heather, who's a Spanish teacher here at the high school, she was out for a run, actually just right over here by the, the corner right behind the school. And um, in just a really crazy, scary, quick set of circumstances, she was hit by a truck. And you may have seen the, the story in, in the paper and, and, and the reality of what happened. Sitting here today, the story 
should be much different than it is. But, but I sat with Heather and Donnie on, on Friday, and she's going to be fine. It's amazing the way the Lord protected her and the way that the Lord is already using the situation in their life and the lives of, of people around them. She has a broken rib and two fractured vertebrae, but she needed no surgery. She was out of the hospital in two days at home. And now she's just recovering and, and she's just anxious to get back to life and, and back to school. And as I sat with them and they're telling me the story, I was just so overwhelmed and encouraged by, it just felt like every other thing out of their mouth was praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. God has done this. God has provided this way. All these people are coming and providing and caring for us. Our community is coming and pouring in and caring for us. And, and oh my goodness, the, the man who was driving the truck that hit Heather, um, crazy but his his wife works with donnie and so they've connected and, and the, this man as you can imagine has just been absolutely just torn apart over this whole thing and, and just is carrying the weight of this thing and they showed up at the hospital and heather and donnie's family literally just jumped up and just embraced this man it's okay it's an accident we forgive you please let it go don't carry the weight of this it's going to be okay and it just Unbelievable! Donnie was telling me on Sunday they were listening to a podcast uh, talking about marriage and how husbands and wives need to, you know, just be serving each other well. And, and he said he felt convicted listening, like, man, I need to step up my game in this. And now, I mean, he's at home just serving his wife, doing everything for her. And he's praising God for that opportunity. It's just unbelievable unbelievable to, to just use your story in that way. And when I asked them, hey, could I share some of this story here today? They, they said, hey, if it gives God glory, then by all means, please, please share the story. Thank people for their prayers. Thank people for the way that they've helped. But just please let everyone know that we're just so grateful for the ways God is already using this. You may never know how the Lord will open doors to tell your story. So my story as we wrap up. Last Saturday morning, I was at home and just uh, drinking coffee and just kind of waking up and starting to read through some of the morning news. And um, I see this headline that um, says, read the email that Hillary Clinton's pastor sent her on November 9th. I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. And so I click on it and uh, I see on there, uh, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And I'm like, no way. Oh, I love that. that that's, that's such a cool, like, there's a great sermon about that, and I love that. And actually, I've written something about that. That's really, so I'm, like, getting excited, so I'm kind of reading through it. And as I'm reading, like, the more I'm reading, the more my heart's, like, starting to beat a little bit faster to the point, like, by the end, I'm just shaking. I'm like, I did write this. <laughs> this is what I wrote. And so I'm like, opening up Mission Point's blog, and I'm looking up, and I'm just kind of like looking back and forth just really quickly, and I'm like, I can't believe this. This is so crazy, and I'm in this kind of mix of just like shocked and, and, and humbled and weirded out, like what is going on? And so as I'm looking at the CNN article, I see the CNN reporter, Daniel Burke, but next to his name are the social media icons, and I just kind of knee-jerk instinctively just click on the Twitter icon, and I just send him this tweet with really not even thinking much about it hey, I really appreciate Reverend Shilliday's words because I think they're mine. Um, and I sent him a link to the blog. And so 
just kind of like, wow, this is so crazy. And I, I really didn't know much about the situation and, and what was going on. Um, come to find out that, um, you know, this was, uh, this was being turned into a book that Reverend Shilliday had written a devotional for um, Hillary Clinton for like over 600 days during the campaign season. And they were turning those into devotionals. And um, the thing that I wrote was the thing that the um, publisher was using as kind of the marketing campaign for the whole book. And... Um, which is cool. And um, <laughs> so it is, it's right here. It's in the, it's in the first couple pages of, of the book. And um, so it's like, I, you know, I'm just kind of like starting to put some of the pieces together and they've given CNN exclusive rights to this thing. And I'm just like, wait, what is going on? And, and I'm like, okay, I've got to, I have to teach on Sunday. I got to get back into like prepping for the sermon and getting ready for services. And so I'm just kind of like, put this aside. Well, 6.30 that night, the CNN reporter uh, sends me an email. Hey, Matt, um, which, by the way, didn't give him my email address, so he's now hunted me down. Um, hey, Matt, um, read your tweet, read your blog. Um, I think you're right. We need to talk. Uh-oh. <laughs> what have I done? And so, seriously, I, I just kind of like, oh, my goodness, what have I done? So I pick up the phone, and I call one of my best friends who just kind of lives in this just PR um, space. Like, it's just what he does. He's really good at it. And so I just tell him what's going on. And I'm like, what, what do you think I should do? And he goes, what do you want? I said, I, I don't know. What do you mean? He goes, what do you want? Like, this is the question you have to answer. What do you want? Because it's the question that everyone's going to ask you and they're going to want to know. Like, what do you want? Do you want money? Do, do you want to embarrass this guy? Do, do you want credit? Do you want, like, um, you know, a trip to Hawaii. Like, what do you want? Like, you're going to have to, you're going to have to figure this out. You're going to have to answer this because that, that is, that's the question. And hey, be really careful with, with the press. That thing can get out of hand kind of quick. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, um, I got to be honest. Like, at that point, my spirit and my flesh were just like at war with each other. And I'm just kind of like, what do I do with this thing? And I do, I'm just kind of thinking like, okay, like, is there money to be made in it? Like, it's Hillary Clinton. Like, I feel like they might have a few dollars they could spare, and I could use some. So it's kind of like, maybe I should, or I would like credit. I mean, I, I mean, it's, gosh, it's so cool that maybe Hillary Clinton read this, and it ministered to her, and now it's ministering. Like, wow. And so I just kind of going back and forth, like, just what, what should I do? So I, I wrote a quick email to just a, a handful of um, just mentor, advisor uh, type guys in my life and, and was like, all right, I got to turn my attention back to, to church stuff. Go to bed, wake up. And I just had this overwhelming sense that morning after just sitting and praying and processing that uh, I just, I needed to let this thing go. What, what I needed to do and what I should have done is I should have contacted Reverend Shilliday just first and, and just said, hey, um, I want you to know I, I saw this and, and I wish you would have asked permission because I would have gladly granted it to you. There's nothing new under the sun. I, I didn't make up all those ideas that it's Friday, but Sunday, that's not my thing. Another pastor wrote a sermon in the fifties about that. And it inspired me and other sermons and things inspire me all the time. And I quote other pastors and that, like, I'd be hypocritical to come after you on behalf, but Hey, I just, I just want to let you know, CNN is, uh, they'd like to talk. They're, they're looking for a conversation. And I just want you to know, like, I, I'm going no comment with this. I, I'm not pursuing anything. I, I don't care about the finances of it. I, I just, I just want to let it go. And man, blessings on you and your ministry. 
And so I you know, decided, okay, church on Sunday, our family had plans, I'll get back to this on Monday. So Monday morning I wake up, I write the CNN reporter, and I say, hey, Daniel, thanks so much. Really, really appreciate you following up with me. Um, off the record, I do not want to be quoted on this. Here's where I'm at, you know, and just kind of wrote it all out and, and just said, I really, um, I would just love to get in touch with Reverend Shilliday, work some things out with him, and just kind of let this thing go. And, and all the guys, you know, wrote back to my email and all their advice kind of matched up with that. So I'm just feeling really good about like, okay, this is good. And um, Right, back, right away, Daniel writes me back. He goes, hey, thanks so much for your response. Super inspiring. We really, really, really need to talk. Can you please call me? Uh, okay. So I call him, and um, he says, hey, Matt, listen, um, I just read your response to my bosses. Everybody loves it. We're so moved by it. So inspiring. Um, my bosses, 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 they're all in a meeting right now um, with our legal team, and we're trying to figure out how we're going to handle and respond to this. But we want you to know it's not going to go away. We are going to respond. We have a legal obligation to do so. Um, and so we would love to give you the opportunity to um, make a statement because we feel like you know, it's a good opportunity for you. And um, we love what you wrote, so maybe you'd be okay with us using that. I was like, really? Like, is there any way to, like, take the tweet thing back and just sort of, no, there's really not. We're, we're definitely going to do something. I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta talk to some people, and I'd really like to get in touch with Reverend Shilliday. Um, can I have some time to, like, try to put some of that together? And he goes, yeah, you got about three hours. <laughs> so it's sweet. So, um, so Kondo's been traveling. So uh, I call Kondo. I'm like, hey, Kondo. How's the trip? <laughs> so I did a thing. And um, so we, we processed through it and, and we talked about it and talked through the whole statement thing. And we just decided that, hey, you know what? The, the no comment thing feels kind of cold and isolated and, and kind of like maybe we're gearing up to just sue them or do something. Like this is an opportunity to express grace and forgiveness. So, so let's go with that. And yeah, let's, you should definitely get in touch with Reverend Shilliday and, and try and connect with him. Okay. So I write uh, Reverend Shilliday, find him on Facebook. I write him a message, introduce myself, um, and uh, just say, hey, would love to talk. And I send that to him. I write the statement, send it to, to CNN. And um, so then I'm at this meet and greet with uh, Erica and our kids. We're at the school meeting the teachers and the whole thing. And my phone rings. I pull out of the pocket. I'm like, ooh, okay. Uh, and Erica's like, who is it? I'm like, it's, it's like Hillary Clinton's pastor. I'm just going to send it a voicemail. It's, it's totally fine. We'll deal with this later. And uh, it's like, what life am I living right now? This is the weirdest thing ever. So we leave that. I call him back. And uh, we talked for probably about 20 or 30 minutes in our first conversation. And it was awesome. He was just so kind and so gracious and just absolutely owned his mistake and just so apologetic and, and just so sorry and, you know, what can I do to make this right? I don't want to do anything. And, and so I had a chance just to just say, hey, listen, I'm sorry. Like, I, I wish I had not sent that tweet. I wish I had con He's like, no, no, absolutely. I'm not hearing that. Forget it. No, no, no. Like, it's fine. You, this is amazing. And so we talked and we talked about our families and our ministry and kind of some of what we're up to. And we spent time praying for each other on the phone and, um, and hung up. And then the, the CNN article um, went out about 6.30 that night. And uh, a few people started calling me at that point um, and emailing me and texting me. And 
it just went bonkers. I mean, absolutely just crazy. And uh, it, it just, throughout this whole thing, you know, again, if I could take back the tweet and go back to Reverend Schiller, I would do that. But the way it played out, what it's done is just open up this opportunity for me over and over and over and over again throughout this week as I've talked to reporters and PR people and just random people who've just reached out to me. I've been able to say over and over and over again, um, I love because Christ loved me first. You see, Christ died for me while I was yet a sinner. And, and so um, he's led me to a place of just forgiveness and grace. Like that, that's a no-brainer. Because that's what's been given to me. And, and how, how hypocritical of me would it be to, to just go after someone who's a, a brother in Christ, someone who I now consider to be a friend? Um, we've apologized and, and we've made amends and we're, we're still you know, talking, communicating, and sending each other emails and messages and, and whatnot and continuing to, to pray for each other. And the last thing the world needs are two pastors going after of love. And, and so it's opened this door for this just unbelievable just moment of grace and forgiveness and, and just some of the stuff that I would hope that someone would extend to me. And uh, I want to read, as, as, as we wrap up here, I want to read um, just one note to you. Um, one night this week as I was heading to bed, um, a woman sent me um, this note. I cannot thank you enough for your generous words of forgiveness and your moderate response to the issue of your beautiful words being plagiarized. The author in question obviously made a huge mistake, which was hopefully without intent, but in this age of hate and divisiveness and spite, you showed the world that a real Christian response should be what a, what a real Christian response should be to injustice. Not vengeance or retribution, but a tempered response and forgiveness for the sake of peace and a greater good. I live in Charlottesville, Virginia. And I'm grasping at straws these past few days for examples of goodness and humanity left in this country. Thanks for helping me out tonight. Praise God for that. We have no idea who's peering in on our story. We have no idea the influence and the impact that our story can have when we go and we share about the grace that God has extended to us. Whatever your story is, whatever the circumstances may be, if God's providing for you, if he's protected you in some way, if you just have sensed his presence, if you just um, have just seen him redeem things, just share that story. And hold it with open hands up to him as, as an act of worship and just know that he will receive glory from that. And the people in your sphere of influence will be drawn to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so very much for your love and your kindness and your grace and mercy to us. Thank you for Jesus and all that we find in him. Father, may we be people who take the grace and forgiveness and hope and peace of Jesus Christ that we find in our own lives, in our own hearts, who would be willing to turn and give that away to others through our story. God, give us courage, give us boldness. 
Help us not to be shy, to make much of your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.